Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Mickey Angeline, and this podcast is going to do a dual deal. Not only are we live on the Bad Filipino podcast, which is my personal, we also are doing some double duty. This will be an article for the Women's International Music Network live front and center because we are going to be talking about the Disney movie Encanto, but we're going to focus on all of the women involved in the film from the actors to composer, director, the characters, and also singing and the culture of the film and how it impacts women in the generations, which is why I'm about to introduce to you my very good friend who is of Colombian descent and is going to provide her background in with her own history and traditions. Um, I welcome my good friend, Jennifer. Hello. Hello. Hi, my friend. So glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I feel like this took forever, but it was right on time. It was right on time. It's perfectly timed. I love it. Yes. And and so this is why we're going to focus everything female because female women, we do not get focused on enough as it is. And this we're animated feature really, really empowers us. So before we get into that, why don't we you share with everybody a little bit of background about you, what you do, and your history and being Colombian. Awesome. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us tonight. So my name is Jennifer, and I am a writer, blogger, content creator, creative. And I am one half of the blogging duo Curly Kirby Passion on Instagram and the web. And um, I am Colombian-American, so first generation born in the U.S. My parents are both from Colombia. I'm actually the daughter of an Afro-Colombian and a Caucasian-Colombian woman. So um, I have backgrounds living in the East Coast. I was born in New York, raised in New York and New Jersey, lived in California, and now living in South Florida. So my experience has been definitely a combined experience in this country, growing up with both traditions. And I come from a very strict family. So we were taught at a very young age that we are to always honor our Colombian culture in every way. And uh, that's how I grew up. So to see this film is uh, really life-changing for me. So I'm super yeah. glad to be here. Oh my gosh. And let's start with that as what it was about this particular, because for me, it was Moana because even mm -hmm. though I'm Filipino, I was raised Hawaiian culture. Mm -hmm. So it, the way Moana captured me, I can, I can honestly tell it captured you. This film captured you. So why don't we start off with talking about how Disney got it right culturally when it came to this film? Honestly, I, I think they got it right in so many ways. And I'm a tough critic. So <laughs> anyone will tell you in my life, my friends, my family, my partner, um, will tell you that I'm a pretty tough critic, uh, particularly when it comes to cultural nuance. I'm really particular about that because I'm a big advocate for not treating all cultures as uh, all similar cultures as a monolith. I think it's really important to talk about nuance. And so I'm a really tough critic when it comes to Latino cultures um, and, and really proper rep representation. So I went into the film hesitant, wondering, oh gosh, you know, is it just a pretty package that is going to get the details right? But there are a number of ways they got it right from the extensive research I can tell they did. I, I read about the research after watching the film, not prior. Uh, the scenery, the verbiage, the uh, the clothing, the music, the instruments used in the music, um, and a lot of the references that they make to the actual culture of how we grow up. Again, we're not a monolith even within one country, right? So there are differences within each region. Just like if you're from California, you might have some things that were customs in your family that aren't customary in Kentucky and vice versa, right? But that is what they got right, in my opinion, is the cultural representation of 
the dynamics of Colombian culture that it can also be applied to other cultures as well and um, visually stunning and, and so representative of some of the magical and beautiful places that exist in Colombia. I love that you know. <laughs> I rewatched it today. And and in a little backstory, the reason I invited Jennifer onto my podcast to discuss this, because I caught you on an Instagram live mm -hmm. and you were just, who was it you were talking with? Uh, it was Daily Sofrito by George Torres. So it's, right, a, right. yeah. Daily Sofrito. And you were talking about this film and it reminded me how important it was for me to want to find someone who had the background like you do to talk about the impact of this film because Disney has come a long way. And we had discussed this off camera before we went live, the importance of they went, they went away from the whole direct villain, direct hero, somebody gets saved. And I didn't research that part. I don't know if the first movie was brave or if it was, cause not even Mulan had an evil person, mm -hmm. but you know, to where you're just dealing with, the inner it's the inner demons that we all possess right and sometimes we, we are the bad guy sometimes we are the villain yes it doesn't need to be an obvious villain and, and i think that movies like this address the villains within us the demons within us the generational trauma within us a lot of the things within us that we can work on to build a better foundation for future generations it's, oh, the generational it's mind blowing I saw women of color. We know this, don't we, in our cultures? Because it's it's so strong there in the Philippine culture. You don't even know, right? But yeah. you do know. <laughs> yeah, and and, you know. and that's important to touch upon, even even in the representation of the film of the different skin tones and everything. Because I, I even come from a place of privilege, even being Colombian American. I mean, in Colombia, I'm considered blanca. I'm considered white. So I still have privilege in Colombia compared to my older sister, who's darker skinned and is Afro Colombian. So yeah, there's 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 a lot that we go through. Um, as just women, women with a cultural background, you know, that is non-Caucasian. Um, because that's one of the, one of the many details of this film was the, 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 um, the diversity in their skin tone. Yeah. And right. that was really important because I think that a lot of people don't really understand that about Colombian culture, that we have Afro-Colombian roots, we have indigenous roots, we have a, a, a white race and we have a black race and, and we're all so intertwined and there is no one person that you can necessarily look at and be like, oh, they're Colombian or she's Colombian or, you know, it's just, we run the gamut. We really are represented in, by, by a lot of different looks. And this film did really well in when it came to the casting. So before I even get to the casting, let's do a little rundown of, of Disney's Encanto. It is the 60th film, 60th film produced by Disney. And we can't go without saying who wrote all the original music. Yes. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Miranda, yes. Did I say that correctly? You did. And you discuss how we know his style like through and through from all his past to his present and anything else he's writing. But, you know, the fact that it was co-directed by Sharice Castro-Smith, woman, she also co-wrote the screenplay. She's from Miami, Florida. She's from Cuban descent. Jermaine Franco. Franco. First, mm -hmm. fe Okay, here we go. First female composer for a Disney animated feature, for DreamWorks animation, and for Pixar. She's the first Latina composer invited to join the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences branch and to receive the Annie Award for Outstanding Achievement in Music for an animated feature for Coco. I mean, I was like, oh, Unreal. that's the most amazing thing. And then when you right. go down the list of the actors that played the female parts, they're all Colombian, Cuban uh, descent. So... I really am not trying to mess up these names. These names are so long. So the the, the actress who voiced Abuela, Maria Cecilia Botero Cadiva, Cadavid, Cadavid, 
I think you got I that think right. I said that right. Now she voices um, the 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 character, but they had a different actress singing who is from Cuba, and that's Olga Meredes. And let's see, Angelica Maria Cepeda Jimenez was Julieta, the mm-hmm. mom, mm-hmm. also born in Colombia. Car- yeah. Car- Carolina. Yes. Okay, you had Carolina. <laughs> Carolina del Pilar Gitan Gitan Lozano. Mm-hmm. Was Pepe Madrigal, uh, Madrigal, Mar- Maribel's aunt, and she's from Colombia. Mm-hmm. Diane Guerrero is Isabella, the oldest one, who's the perfect one. Yes. Stephanie Beatrice, which, because she, okay, <laughs> like, okay, so the fact that I just been watching her because I just discovered Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never watched this thing. It's I haven't. Like I've heard, I, but yeah. Oh my gosh, my daughter and I sit there and we're watching all these 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 episodes are hilarious, and she's in it. Oh, and she's my, a, this movie was my first was exposure to her. I had no ass. idea who she was. She's oh my gosh, she is a tough ass, and so I'm like, she's voicing a 15 year old in in Canto. She has got amazing range. Yeah, holy cow, and she's and all of these women that I'm mentioning, they're acting, they're doing the voiceover, and they're singing. Jessica Darrow. Cuban American, oh. born mm-hmm. in Miami. She is Louisa. Yes. Surface Bad pressure. Bad and you know, and and so, and even with that character, they fought with Disney to give her muscles and to make her look mm-hmm. less quote unquote feminine. <laughs> yeah. And that character spoke to me. Right. Let's talk about it. Let's I talk mean. about it. Not even just, I mean, not only just the physical attribute, because I love having muscles. Yeah, but her song, Surface Pressure, oh, the words in it, the <laughs> words in yeah. it, the fact that she needed, she has to be strong to have purpose because mm-hmm. without being the strength of the family, what is her purpose? <gasps> Girl, you know, I cried the first time I saw that. Oh, I, I don't, you don't even know how many songs I've cried at. I know which song I've cried at the most, which is the one that people are not going to expect I did. But Surface Pressure for me, I've cried listening to it in the car on my way home from oh. work because when you really listen to it, I'm like, Holy crap. Yeah. Lyrically, crazy. these songs are so strong. Yeah, I really do have to tell people if if you've if you if you feel like you're like in an encanto whirlwind and, and um you've just heard heard it back forwards and forwards with your kids or grandkids on the movie, I really encourage people to listen to the soundtrack in some headphones or in the car. Yes. It will be yes. a whole different experience when you really listen lyrically to how genius these songs were written. There is so much nuance to every character that's that's weaved into the lyrics of the song. It's mind blowing. Well, waiting on a miracle made me cry too, and that's the yeah. one. Um, Maribel, 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 Like I like, get this wrong. Mm-hmm, okay, so a little breakdown now with the music of it. The soundtrack was released November nineteenth last year, and it reached number one after only being two weeks on the charts. And, you know, that hasn't happened since Frozen 2, right? Mm -hmm. The track, We Don't Talk About Bruno. That's the one you had me that video has been recorded in 21 different languages. Yeah, it's crazy. It broke various records. It became Disney's most successful song in the UK. It was the first ever original Disney song to reach number one. Wow. In the UK. It peaked at number two here on the Billboard 100, which is the highest charting Disney song in US history. And we're talking the original songs written, right? Right. Um. Gosh, here we go. And it has a cha-cha-cha like Son Montuno rhythm, which on top of that, like you've got this song that's doing so well around the world that is a Latin rhythm. Son Montuno comes from Cuba and 
and uh, cha 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 also is is kind of like weaved into that rhythm. So you know the fact that people, yeah, you tell us, you tell us. (laughs) So and then now get this though, there are seven songs that have charted from this from this album. Seven songs, right? What I think is crazy about this album. It dethroned Adele's 30 and Adele's 30 was the number one album of 2021. Even though it only released the last six weeks, Adele's album broke records and sold bajillions. And to know that this is the album that dethroned her blows my mind. Incredible. Right. So it, um, it earned, oh my gosh, 88 million streams, 11,000 album sales in album sales this album wow right we don't talk about bruno the most popular song it charted reached number one spotify's top 50 uh let's say surface pressure reached number 10 first mm-hmm. disney animated film to have a generated multi multiple top 10 song in the hot 100 what else can i do number 31 the family madrigal madrigal 43 those out Oh shoot. Oruguitas. Thank you. Those oruguitas. If you say it, I can repeat it. Oruguitas. Those oruguitas. Number 44, Waiting on a Miracle. Number 65, all of you. The 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 one everyone's saying at the end. 94. Wow. What? It's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, and um a madrigal or madrigal is from it's a term that's from back in the day where several voices come together to sing one score. A lot of people don't know that. So it's not coincidence that that's the name of the family because I, I, I really picked up on that where it's like you really needed all the voices, especially in We Don't Talk About Bruno. Everybody has a little part where they're overlaying they do. the next person's part. And, and that's there's so many little references back to the message of the, of the movie, including, in my opinion, why the family name is Madrigal. I'm pretty certain I haven't researched it, but I would willing to bet that this is going to be a live production when everything comes back. Oh, I think it would be amazing. This will blow the roof off and it will break records. And and you can really spin off of every character. Like I want to know what Isabella is going to do next now that she doesn't have to be perfect. I want to know what, you know what I mean? Like I think that every character has an ability to be developed into their own sort of spinoff. I mean, I really think that there's, there's enough material here, honestly. Well, and we can even, you know what, we can even, so let's break it down with, with the characters. Let's, let's go through that because to me, this is so important. Also, oh, I forgot to mention, Colombian singer-songwriter Sebastian Yatra yes. performed Dos Oruguitas. Oruguitas. Come on, yeah. you got this, girl. <laughs> and it was named by the critics as the album's best song. And mm-hmm. because they, they do it, I love that it's in Spanish in the beginning of the movie. It and is then, completely in Spanish. Completely. And in then the, the credits... In the credits, it's in English. Yep, yep. That and, is the song that got me. That's oh, the song that while I was sitting there with my dad on the right and my mom on the left yes. and my sisters to both sides of me. Please touch on that if you wish to. Yeah. Or, it just, watching it with your family. Watching it with my family. I, I'm such a crier. So I, I promise myself I'm not going to cry on your podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the last time that my entire family watched a film. Uh, I just don't. I, I I used to go to the movies a lot with my dad because we were just movie burnt nerds when I was younger. But I I really don't remember the last time the five of us. First of all, we didn't live together for twenty five years, so or, or live near each other. Um, but I I never have watched a film about Colombia that isn't about the status quo Colombian story that we're so sick of hearing about. That's all the negative. I just I just never had that. So to really see the opening of the film and the colors and the music. My dad was tapping his toes and my mom was just like, 
smiling the whole time. And oh, I mean, there were so many times where I was like, don't look, don't look, don't look. I can't. Because at one point, I really thought I was going to lose it just to see like, and I could hear my mom every time there was a reference to something that was accurate. My mom was like, oh, look, the cup. So, oh, look, the the tiles. Or my dad would say, oh, they're, they're drinking this kind of juice. I mean, it was like, there's so many things that were familiar. And um, it was just, just magical, really, really a special experience to have seen it with my family. You know, and, and the importance of, of cultural, from a cultural standpoint, especially um, communities of color, because in the music industry, you know, for me, for working with the Women's International Music Network, countless stories, and it still happens to this day, where women are always having to work twice, three times as hard to be recognized in any aspect of the industry, right? Yeah. Because it's still predominantly dominated by men. Mm -hmm. And then it gets even worse when it becomes women of color, when it becomes, you know, Asian women, Hispanic, Latina, you know, Indian, black, it's like, and then it's, it becomes worse and worse to try to prove you are talented and you're, you're in this position or working on this film or working on this album, you're mixing sound for a yeah. reason. Yeah. And so, and, but I love like having you here and listening to you share just how it impacted your family to feel seen. And to, to see yourself the on the screen is seen. Yeah. And, and I, you know, like to break out of the box of the stereotype, you know, the, yeah. the, the stereotype Latina, which is such a complex word in and of itself, but the stereotypical, let's say Colombian woman, that's not X or Y. I don't even want to say the two things that we're normally portrayed as, because I don't want to even give them airtime. Um, but you know, it's just, I think it's like any culture, you know, is a Southeast Asian woman always represented as such and such in a movie is a Colombian woman or, or Filipino woman always represented as a such and such, you know, there are these stereotypes that we need to break. So to see that in an animated film, I think is even more important because there's a message for the younger kids and the older kids. It's like, you're not always seeing the Colombiana or the Latina portrayed as fill in the blank, you know? Yes. And then, and breaking down the characters again. Sorry, I've got, I don't know why I'm like, okay, I'm just like, I'm so full of it. Okay, so <laughs> we'll, we'll just go character by character. So we talked about Louisa mm -hmm. and her, you know, her freaking out about the strength thing and, and feeling like if she, that's her, that's her, that's her identity. And everyone fought with that. I mean, yeah, everyone shoot. did. Um, okay, wait, hold on. Let me get this right. Which one was, I wrote them all down. Oh, yes. Isabella, mm -hmm. the, the flower girl. The perfect one. Well, see, that's the thing. We're told in the very beginning, we're given the perception of from Mirabella's. Mirabella's. Am I saying it right? Mirabel. 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 From her perspective, because that very first song, The Family Madrigal, she's the one breaking down. This is how my family. But you realize as you go along, that's from her perspective. Mm -hmm. Because since she was without a gift for the whole of the movie until the very end. Mm hmm she's obviously paying extra attention to figure out how she can be of service because she feels the lowest of the totem pole. And so she sees Isabella as the perfect one. And then you don't realize until her song, she doesn't want to be exactly. just like Louisa. Mm -hmm. She feels this, this need and this, this, this role. It's a responsibility know? that's assigned to you by your yes. family, your community. And it's almost like it's a slap in the face to your family and your community and your culture to not accept that responsibility, even if you're good at it. And is that something but, you've experienced within your, your family and your upbringing? I have. I mean, I, I have amazing parents and an amazing family and, and I love my culture. So this isn't to, 
to diss on that, but there's an incredible amount of pressure to show up in your family and to contribute what you're good at. And what you're good at may not always be what you like, you know? So um, for me, I, I ended up, I, I am a writer. I do write and I love to write and I'm good at it. Uh, but when yes, I decided, thank you, <laughs> humbly speaking, I mean, I, I can always improve, but I know that I, that I do it well. It's not like math. I, I stink at math. Like don't make me do math. I don't like it. Right. But, but writing did not become a career for me. And there were several people in my family who were like, well, why, why wouldn't you become a journalist? Why wouldn't you do that? If you're good at it, if it comes naturally to you or, you know, other things that, that I think other people can relate to that if you're good at it and it comes naturally to you and it might cost you less money to do something that you're good at, or it might be easier in life to follow the path of something you're good at, then you should do that. Cause that's the gift that you've been given and how dare you not be grateful for that gift. So yeah, I have felt that pressure before. In and many then, so my friend, Elisa, she's in the chat room. She put up a post. Thank you, Elisa, for saying she loves the movie herself. Love. No one was Carlos. Love seeing the food, love the music from the soundtrack being both in English and Spanish, which yes. we did touch on. Mm -hmm. That was so important for the film, you know, and I feel that too, even though, like I said, Filipino raised Hawaiian culture, but there were expectations on me on, and that's my father's side. On my mom's mm -hmm. side, it's um, Caucasian, right? Irish, yeah. English, but on my dad's side, completely Filipino raised Hawaiian culture and because his, his, my grandparents are from the Philippines, but they escaped to Hawaii. Mm to give their kids a better life, like have the kids and want it to be somewhere other than the Philippines. And so right. I know that feeling. It's like, um, that's why the waiting on a miracle got to me. Yeah. Because I felt like I was so ostracized and different for, for not knowing I wasn't my true self yet. Mm -hmm. So I was fighting so hard to belong. Yeah. Like I grew up thinking I needed to be a veterinarian because it was like, you'd be a lawyer, you'd be a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor, but I love animals, which also Antonio, his gift, please. Right? Could I please have that gift? Right, because real. at his age and getting older, I, I told my Filipino grandfather on his deathbed, I would be a veterinarian. And you better believe I held on to that for so long. Because you made a promise. I felt like, yes. And I felt like it would let him down. And that's the importance with this film is what that breaks down. The fact that you and I know. The audience knows when we see Abuela's beginning, the fact that she falls in love with somebody and almost immediately following the journey of the romance of their relationship, he is taken from her in the most violent way, which Disney covers it as best as they can. Oh, and they did a great job. With three children and her partner is gone forever. Mm -hmm. Try to, as, as a mom... <laughs> You know, anyone else who's a mom or if, if you cared for, you know, your your siblings or your and, you know, whatever you just that pull and you realize she she was either going to fight or flight and she fought yeah. and she immediately took the role and was like, done. I have to I have to be solid right. and because of her feeling, putting that pressure on herself, unknowingly passed it down. So everyone else and, and, and they treated the gift more importantly than they did being a family and being themselves. It was like the number one thing for us to do for all of the, the villagers and for everybody, we have to keep this going. Cause if we lose this, we lose everything. That was, we lose who we are. They, they, yes. they, they built their foundation was rocky, which is why the casita was cracking and falling yes. apart Yes, because they built that upon, upon trauma. So yes, she assumed that role as quickly as she could, because she had to fight or flight, like you said, but she never dealt with her, 
trauma. She never dealt with how incredibly traumatic it was to be displaced at that time in Colombian history, which is very accurate. Uh, many of our oh, parents, our grandparents, that, that scene. Didn't, don't yes. you have something to say about that scene? I do. It's um, that was the scene that took me out. <laughs> I was in tears. I mean that because the song, the song is very emotional to people who watch it. But then when you understand the lyrics, it is heart wrenching uh, because it's so well written about how you know it's just two caterpillars, which is what those orugitas means, two caterpillars who then become butterflies and they want to find this future for themselves and build this future, which the butterfly has another significance, which we can touch upon later. Um, and to, to really get started in thinking I'm going to create a family and a life of my own. And then shortly, like you said, that's taken away from you. Um, it's very accurate to what a lot of our ancestors went through. I mean, it's the turn of the century, so it's not very long ago, but many of our grandparents, not necessarily mine, um, my family is not from that particular region that's referenced um, in the movie, but we have tons and tons of families that that have that reference of their families being displaced around the time of violence uh, in Colombia, which plagued us for so many years. And so um, I believe that she started this family and this and embraced this magical gift that she was given without first dealing with her own trauma. And so you never heal that, you never talk about it. And it's like this constant theme of not talking about things, right? Yes, <laughs> holding it in and just doing your thing. Yep. And and so go back to the butterfly thing. What was the significance of them using butterfly in this? So, um, Or the, do you know? I Are do know. Okay, okay. Now, in this case, I know. Or I have my best guess, but I, I have read some items that confirmed um, my guess, and I picked this up right away just because I, I happen to know um, the Nobel Prize winner for literature, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, who wrote A Hundred Years of Solitude, um, which is a very well-known book by many of us who had to read it in school. There is a lot of magical realism, which is a style of literature that he uses in his writing, and there is a lot of reference to the color yellow and yellow butterflies. So a symbol of renewal and hope. And so it's not coincidence that those yellow butterflies are in the movie. Um, I don't know all the background or all the okay. conversations that took place, but I immediately recognize the yellow butterflies and, and look who they were always surrounding. Mirabel, she has the yellow butterflies on her dress. Yep. Right. They're always surrounding They're her. They're so significant. I'm like, and it's the single one and then it's on her dress and it's yellow. I'm like, there's gotta be, she sees it in when she convinces Bruno to complete mm -hmm. his vision. Yeah. And you know the um, abuela has butterflies on her uh, skirt too, but they're black. Oh my gosh! I need to go back and watch for a third time. So her light's been dimmed a little bit. It's just whoa! I know. I'm telling oh. you. It's and that and I'm, I that's where my nerd kicks in because I literally every time I've watched it, I've been like, okay, what you find you? something new. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! And yeah. and the thing is, is well, and the fact that they use butterflies too, because I'm not sure how many people know that when they do uh, when they change. They turn to liquid mm -hmm. and then they're, it's like they're reborn. What's that called? The chrysalis? Is it chrysalis? Chrysalis? Something like yeah, that? it's the chrysalis. Yeah. It's like the breaking down, becoming liquid, and oh. a butterfly. <laughs> to me, oh. Right. To me, I think for anybody, for anybody, I mean, I think this speaks to anyone who's coming into their true self. And we're, we're referring to, you know, in, from embracing your culture to embracing how you identify. Yeah embracing and to leaving behind what you know and starting over which is my story yes yes i mean the first time i learned about that my mind was blown i was yeah. like 
how do you, you know, it's like, the, it's like when, when, when we conceive as humans, when we come from that tiny little, and then it just grows, it's yeah. almost like it, it's, it took, um, it kind of went back to the beginning to start over again. Yep, exactly. And, and, and they did, they start over again, but they start over on a rocky foundation. Oh, oh, look who's in the chat. Hold on, hold on. Let's pull this up. <laughs> you know who, look who it is. Hey, is. what's up? It's our so, not dealing with trauma. That's also a coping skill of folks who are oppressed because the assumption is that if you feel the sadness, you will fall apart and not be able to put yourself back together. There you go. Yes, we should have about. a viewing party. I agree. Oh, I love that idea. That's a great idea. Coming from an actual therapist. So there you go. There you go. She knows what she's talking about. A certified therapist. Certified. Yes. I think um, <laughs> I cried when Bruno, when you see that he had his table. Oh. Right. The place setting. His place setting. That, you know, the fact that Abuela just telling people we don't talk about him because he abandoned us. Yeah. And, and, why, did he, and why? Because he told the truth. <sighs> His love for his family was still so strong. Mm -hmm. He stayed near mm -hmm. because he didn't want to hurt his family. So he disappeared because he mm -hmm. thought he was hurting his family yeah. and he stayed. And that scene right there, that's like, to me, that's symbolic of the black sheep of the family. It is. And I think oh. it's symbolic of a conversation that we can have another day, obviously, because we're focusing on women, but it's yeah. really important to. We can decide a little bit. Go ahead. I think it's really Go important to, to talk about what that says about the men in several of our cultures. And, yes. and the fact that the mental health aspect is so often ignored because they have to be macho and fuerte and strong. Yeah, the women that's expected of the women too, but it is extremely expected of our men. And so, you know, there are many men in their own right or people who identify as men, um, I think who will slip away into the shadows for the sake of, you know, not hurting their family or not ruining their family. And, and I think there's an incredible amount of pressure uh, still in, on our men, including in Colombian culture to just, oh, oh we don't, I, I'm okay. I'd rather just go away or I won't show up or I won't go to the family gatherings because I'm going to cause a rift. Like that's, that's important to notice too. I agree with that for sure. We, um, so then, oh, God, poor Bruno. <laughs> and that being and that being the most popular song tone we don't oh, talk about bruno i know i'm like oh but let's talk about bruno let's do so, it <laughs> you know and then and then going back okay going back to the women yeah i think probably what i noticed also watching us the second time around was how when you're so focused on who you think you're supposed to be or how you see somebody you do not give yourself a chance to open up and really listen in here. Yeah. And we realize that at the end of it, when both Abuela and Maribel both see each, like see each other for the first yeah. time, yeah. even though Maribel has heard this story since she was born. But when you hear a story over and over again, you know, this in the family, when the family, because we, so in with women of color cultures that I know of like Filipino, Hawaiian, I'm going to guess Colombian, you tell me if I'm wrong. We share our stories. Yeah. Because when you look at the way history was done, they try to wipe us out, right? Mm -hmm. Let's be mm -hmm. real about that. I mean, I share this with you about here because I'm here in Sacramento, California, and about the history of the Japanese that were, they tried to all but erase like the Japanese culture that was so vibrant here in Sacramento. On the West Coast, we had the most, the highest count of Japanese population and Japanese-owned businesses. Lisa Ling, it drops today. I'm going to probably either watch it tonight or tomorrow. She's got a special on HBO. Oh, I have to watch Asian, 
Yes, about Asian cuisine. And she talks about the mm -hmm. culture and the heritage behind it with the cuisine. I did not know that her grandparents are the ones who opened Hop Sing in Old Folsom. Oh, I didn't know that either. I loved eating wow. that. Wow, that's awesome. You know, the fact that um, dishes like fried rice and chop suey are not Asian dishes, they're American dishes. Mm -hmm. Stop as Asian dishes. If you go to Asia, China, you will not find that food. And the fact that of all of the restaurants in the U.S., Asian restaurants are the number one. They outnumber all fast food combined. So here we are, a lot of our a lot of our society hating on the Asian culture, especially in the height of the pandemic and blaming Asian culture for COVID, but we have no problem profiting off of or enjoying the cuisine. Exactly. So when we go back to that, it's like we find this need to keep us alive. And mm -hmm. by keeping us alive, it's sharing our stories. Yeah, you know, the Hawaiian culture, that's what the dances are all about. The, the For us too. ancient yeah, hula. Very significant in Colombia too. Yes, the ancient hula, the chants are about stories of your past and your family and your generation. And yeah. that's how you kept it alive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for Maribel, she's probably like, yeah, yeah, I've been hearing this since I was like in the womb. And so she doesn't really absorb what Abuela has gone through because she's so busy working on trying to be important to the family. Yep, yep. Right. And even the way she hears the story, if you really watch the next time you watch it, pay attention to how the story is told at the beginning of the movie. Compared to the end. Compared to the end. Yep. During, oh, no, during I got that. Trust. During those little guitas, it's not sugarcoated, right? So, no. you know, no. it's not, it's, it's the, it's the real, I've never seen like a, a more real animated creature or animated uh, character cry like that when she, when Abuela was young and threw herself on the floor and just the, the with reality. babies, with oh. babies. The last time I cried that hard was when was when uh, Mufasa died, and that's a oh. lion. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know what I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and even there, there's a difference. There's the magical, fantastical way that we hear stories when we're too young to hear the real story, right? Yeah. And I'm experiencing that now with my senior age parents. You know, there are some really? stories that, yeah, my sisters and I are, are getting a chance to spend time with them since they're here in the States. And we're hearing stories where we're like, I don't remember you telling that story that way. And then they'll be like, yeah, but you were eight when you heard the story. So now you're not eight. <laughs> and you can hear the story in its entirety with all of the, the the ugly parts that we cut out so yeah isn't that interesting like um so the story will be like pampered down but mm -hmm. responsibility to your family isn't because remember antonio when he's going to receive his gift and get his door He's already asked, will you promise to do this? Will you oh. promise to uphold for the family? Will you promise to take care of the boy so hasn't even that. reached preview yet, but that's in a lot of our cultures. It's that it way. Is. Yeah, it is. And, and, and again, that's a, that I think that's also nuanced to, to boys in our culture. And, and might I add, I have to take a quick side note to how incredible it is that he's an Afro-Colombian character too. That's yes. super important for us. Oh yeah. We've seen it on the TikToks and the Insta, mm -hmm. how there was a young boy who felt seen standing next to that, to Antonio. There's a young yeah. girl who sees Maribel. Yeah. She feels crazy. seen. Yeah, that's amazing. Representation is so key. Yeah. I mean, I when I hear about and this is where the and this is where I've lived in both cultures, right? Yeah. Being raised on the Caucasian side, being raised on the Filipino side. I've seen both sides. When I hear about and I've heard this for the last 20 years, you know, let kids be kids. Why are you giving them so many responsibilities? Getting them ready for the world. At nine years old, I was changing diapers and they were the cloth diapers with the big ass pins. 
mm-hmm. nine years old. I'm probably yeah. the same age as Antonio trusted to not poke a baby in its, in its freaking hip. Yeah. Knowing, knowing when rinsing out diapers, because that's life. It is. I, I mean, my sister, I, I'm eight years older than my sister who I blog with and, and um, she'll probably chuckle when she sees this on the replay, but I was changing her diapers and I'm not, let me be clear. I did not raise my sister. My mother did her job and raised my Correct. sister. However, You're learning responsibility. We were, absolutely. At eight years old, my sister was born. I was changing diapers. I was helping my mom out with dinner. If she was busy with my sister, I was ironing my dad's work shirts with starch because okay. his shirts had to be stiff and starch. So, you know, yeah, that responsibility was 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 definitely part of my life at a young age. And our abuela, which we call in the region of Colombia, I'm from my mamita, which is what I refer to as my abuela. Uh, my mamita wouldn't have it any other way. She'd be like, if your dad steps in the door from work, you better run and get him his slippers. Run mm. and be there and get him his slippers because he's coming home from a long day. And, mm-hmm. you know, so yes, those those things are expected of us at a young age, because that's real life. Like they, they always say, oh, you're going to grow up someday and you're going to get married and have kids or whatever. And you're going to have to learn how to cook and clean and iron and blah, blah, blah. So it's just so part here of we go. real quick. Okay. I got to throw these up. Cause we got this. So here from love, Bruno, love Bruno. He's the oh freaking truth teller. <laughs> oh my God. Preach. Cause we were talking about J- Japan and Asia mm-hmm. and, then, and then look who else is here. Oh, <gasps> It's my sister. Yeah, she's driving, but she's here. Hello, sister. Oh, hi, sister. Hi, sister. I love her. She's the one who's had to put up with um with the person you see here. <laughs> she's my housemate and um amazing. We we and let me tell you, this is why I think this film is so incredible. Andrea and I are very close, and we get confused a lot for being really similar, but we actually are quite different um in our personalities. And Andrea got a lot a lot of out of the movie that I did, but she also has her own interpretation of the movie. She's eight years younger. Okay. She did not, she's never lived in Colombia. I have. Um, she didn't go to school there. I did for just a, about a year. Uh, so she picks up on a lot of things that I might not. And I also am kind of like more of a nerd and had to learn about Colombian culture growing up where she didn't because she didn't grow up in the same area that I did. So there's something in this film for everyone, even within one family. You know, I love that you watched it generational from your parents to you and your younger sister. Three generations. My sister, my younger sister, eight years uh, younger, and my older sister, four years older. That is amazing. So there was four years older, eight years younger, me, the middle kid, mom, who's 76, and dad, who's 80. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So then, okay. Um God, I want I want to kind of take it back and forth because I feel like there's things we haven't touched. Is there anything we haven't touched on yet that because we've been on a roll? I know. <laughs> Is there anything I haven't, you said, we're going to bring this up or we're going to bring that up. I think we have brought up that one of the most important things that I want to drive home is that this movie is genius because it appeals to kids from, from the visual aspect and from sort of the fun animated character aspect, but it really has some deep resonating messages for the adults. If you really want to listen, there's so many conversational pieces that can spin off of this movie. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is why, we need to be the ones to watch movies like this and support movies like this. It is up to us, whatever fill in the blank us means to you. I'm not going to say Latinos because if Latinos on a country, right? They're, they're the specifics. I am Colombian American. Okay. So it's important for me as a Colombian American to support this film for people who are like me to support this film, to talk about it. And if tomorrow they come out with a film about Chile or Uruguay or Poland or some other country, I'm going to watch it with the same enthusiasm because that's what we need. We need to show Hollywood and 
the masses that we want to be represented with nuance, with yes. nuance, because it's really easy to say, okay, we're going to represent Southeast Asians this way or Latinos this way. There's nuance and that's important. And this film got it right in terms of nuance. There are details that I could go on forever that I could, we'll talk about in my blog that are specific to Colombia, the instruments used in the music, the plates on the table, the meals, the type of juice on the table. Those are very specific and regional um, to Colombia. So I think that we need to touch upon those things and continue to spread the word anytime we see something that people get right, that's accurate. Because that's the only way that we're going to speak to directors and producers and writers how important it is to tell our stories with nuance. Hello, Christina. She's in the chat room. Yes, diversity is well represented in it. Yeah. Black, indigenous, people of color. Yes. You know, yeah. completely. I think. Um, oh, oh, and sister, we will. We need to tell our stories authentically. Yes. You know what? It's about oh, time. It's taken comment. so long. That I mean, comment. in the beginning of this podcast, I said this is the 60th film by Disney. How many films before there was a black princess? Mm -hmm. How many films before it was a woman of color? How many films before they stopped being princesses? Right. How, How many, many films, films before like the, the people of color weren't the people serving and the maids and the butlers? Thank you. How many films before it became to Moana and, and the girls were thick and it was beautiful? Exactly. And by the way, I might want to be a princess who doesn't get saved by a prince. Thank you. Yeah, I saved myself. <laughs> Right. I, and I loved how that everyone was built differently in this one, too. Not yeah, but, but, they home, but they were other. built different. Yeah, they're built different. They look different. But there's there's this there's this magic that happens when they all come together. And I think that is the other part of this film that we need to talk about is that, yes, you know, sometimes without the other person, maybe we need the black sheep who we don't talk about because they tell the truth or they talk about the uncomfortable topics. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm the first, you know, fat person in my family and and i i'm reclaiming the word fat and i'm doing it in a culture of colombian american women where there is ex extreme intense pressure to be thin and curvaceous uh, to be thin but curvaceous and and fit this mold of what the colombian woman looks like and so maybe i'm the one who changes that in my family maybe you need to get comfortable with my bigness Right? curly curve passion on IG. <laughs> Maybe I'm the first one in my family who's not straightening my curls because that is a Eurocentric symbol of beauty is to have yes. straight hair and I don't want to do that. So again, that's where I think it's important, like my sister says, to tell her own stories authentically and not fill in that stereotype because I don't want to be a stereotype. I want to be Jennifer. And if that doesn't fit another stereotype, then I'll create my own. So, okay, as we're jumping back and forth, you can bring up other things. Going, Touching more on the music again. Yes, let's do it. We're, we're back. <laughs> be, well, I mean, because the songs were both in English and in, in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So when I'm watching it, I have the subtitles, and they threw up the subtitles for the Spanish songs. Mm -hmm. But we're, we don't really know how accurate that is, right, how it translates? Yeah. yeah. I would say um, the more catchy tunes, like we don't talk about Bruno, it doesn't have any Spanish in it, right? right. So um, I will tell you, from jump that dos oruguitas does not hit the same in english at all um they did their best okay. um but there's there's an ache when you sing in spanish and also spanish has a very complex very passionate language to sing it's a very passionate language and we have about five different ways to say everything so you have options thank you you have yeah. three ways that you say i that you say love let's touch on that one i yeah. learned this I, i'm going to share this because i learned this from a, a passenger when i was driving for a lift in the city in san francisco because that's an international airport, there's mm -hmm. all kinds of folks, right? Yeah. 
And I learned that in the Spanish language, however, that translates with the other, you know, there's three ways you say love. So you have the love you have like for family members, mm-hmm. you have the love like romance, like mm-hmm. your partner, you can mm-hmm. have love for like, if you love food or you love your pet, which really helps because there's no way you can get it wrong when you tell someone how you love them, because that's, that's what's so hard in the um, American slang. I don't even want to say English, mm-hmm. the American slang, when, cause there's so many different ways we use love. Yeah. Even if you text, like if you're, if you like somebody, you don't want to slip and say that word. Right. Yeah. You, you, even if you only meant it, like you love their hair. Right. You love the way that they prepare a meal. It's so loaded. If you say it in the wrong moment. It's so loaded, but in Spanish, you can't get that wrong because there's yeah. three different ways to say it. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, yeah, it's a very robust language. I love the, the song. The songs are amazing. I, I love the, the soundtrack and um, I do think that they did their best. Um, I don't really have any issues. I just think the songs that were chosen to be in Spanish, like Los Oruguitas needed to be in Spanish. Yes, sure. I agree. Mm-hmm. And I think because not everything has to be um, American. I mean, because Disney has gone through such a transition because when they did films like Mulan, no accents. Yeah. Everyone spoke like this. No, and I don't want that. Again, nuance. It's, I don't, that's not, not how my family speaks. Right. And that's, that's the thing is, you know, one, one of our most famous Colombian singers sings the, one of the top uh, songs in, in the movie, Colombia Me Encanto, which is a beautiful, beautifully written song in his style of singing. That's in my notes. Yeah, yes. Carlos Vives, and he did not write that song. But if you hear that song as a Colombian American or as someone who is a fan of his yes. music, you would have thought he wrote it for the film, and it's the opposite. Interesting. Yeah. But again, they kept okay. it very specific. They used instruments that are very specific to Colombia, to that region of Colombia that you might not hear in other music. There's a particular drum and a particular flute that are native to Colombia from the indigenous um, population, and they weave those in. I mean, there just was a lot of thought put into the music, and. And also the music being representative of how important music is to us in Colombia. Music is very important in our culture. Very important. So my friend, Christina Marie, she's, um, I mean, she's everything, film, production, art, you name it. She's done it. She does it. She advocates for it. And she's even saying they produce what we buy. Your dollar is your vote. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I think it, it came more from not just, not just trying to um, appeal to a whiter audience. Yes, I said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the majority will purchase that because, you know, it's it, it's like a double-edged sword. They want to appeal just to them, but they also know that they're the ones. It's 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 this weird um, revolving circle, circle because yeah. they're the ones constantly buying because they're the ones constantly pitched to. But what happened when the Black Panther came out or yeah. when Black Panther came out? Yeah, we need Come to change on. the story, which needs to change the narrative. Ooh. And people need to learn differently. Yes. You and I talked off camera about how you read a comment on one of the reviews that said there wasn't much humor in Encanto. Yes. No, there wasn't much humor that you're familiar with, which is different. Touch on that. You gave so, me one. I did. I gave you one. And this is something that only Colombian Americans will pick up on. There's a scene where where um, Mirabel's dad uh, I believe it's when she discovered when she puts together the puzzle and discovers the, you know, the which by the way, all the puzzle pieces were emerald green as an emeralds coming from Colombia. Oh, that's why I got you right? on the show. And so when Mirabel figures things out, her dad like is kind of like the equivalent of oh crap when you realize you've done something and he says miércoles. The word miércoles means Wednesday, but in Colombia specifically, 
we use that as, oh crap, oh, oh shoot. Like if you drop something or if you forget something, we'll go, miércoles. That is something so small in the film that's going to go over most people's head, but all Colombians will crack up at that part because we grew up hearing our older generations say that. So to the point of like changing the way that people receive a film, it's like, think differently, think outside the box, don't expect the same. And we have to demand that. So yes. the people for the people who say it didn't have enough this or didn't have enough that, did it though? Is it really missing it? Or it did you not watch it? What you like. That's right. Or what you recognize. Yes. So we yeah. have to point out that nuance so that people can go, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize yeah. that that juice on the table wasn't orange juice. It's called Lulo juice. And it's specific to Colombia. Right? That everybody, when you go back and watch Encanto, that juice is Lola juice. Lulo. 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 And the 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 arepa, what, which so which what is Lulo? Is, Lulo is a, a, a tree fruit native to Colombia and um other regions. I think there's a couple other countries in South America who have it. It's an amazing combination. I guess the best way I can describe it is kind of like a cross between a passion fruit and a kiwi. Oh it's it's Ooh, so good. good. Yeah. And then so your sister says, was, it's the, the older generation says it's their way of saying mierda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so because that's so true, because we could, you know, the older generations wouldn't curse. Right. And so instead of saying, you know, I don't know if we can curse on your show. So I'm going to, I'm trying to, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So instead of saying, you know, shit, they yeah. would, they would say shoot. Right. So for us, instead of saying mierda, it would be like miércoles. Miércoles sounds the same, sounds similar, kind of like Mirabel sounds like miracle, kind of like okay. Madrigal sounds like, I mean, there's all these little things. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's important also for us to point out that other people might not recognize is if we keep telling these type of stories that change the type of humor or the type of of characters that we're used to seeing, then, you know, it's going to open up the thought process of not only our younger generation, but our older ones too. And, it, and the time is now. The time is really now to do that. This is the time we're living in. We need to see those specifics that are more um, outside of the status quo stereotype that we're used to seeing. This has been awesome. I'll take it a couple more minutes before we end this. If there's anyone that's been watching, thank you for popping in and sharing all your stuff. Elisa also shared. Um, her husband commented on the different and diverse looks, including the German influence. Yeah. There's German and there's also um, Arab influence, which a lot of people might not notice. But in the scene where Mirabel is getting up from her bed and getting dressed and she slips into those very specific type looking shoes, mm -hmm. those are called alpargatas. And that's a nod to the Arab influence in Colombia, which a lot of people don't know exists. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning some. I'm, I'm so glad I'm going to have this recorded when I go to yeah. put this as an article on the women's site because I'm going to go back over and. This is going to be quite the learning experience for me yeah. on this one. And again, I, you know, people need to recognize I'm not an expert. This is just my own lived experience and just a little bit that I know. Imagine how much more, but imagine how much more a Colombian born and raised and currently True. living in Colombia picks up on this. That's just me living here as the daughter of very strict parents who were, were very um, adamant about me learning about my culture. I mean, some of these things, even my sister might not pick up on because I'm older than her and I, and she grew up a little bit differently. So Imagine how much more someone who lives in Colombia and in that particular region of Salento, uh, Valley of Cocora, which is kind of like the, the, the tall valley, the, the valley with the tall trees where the movie is set. Someone there could, could touch on even more than I ever could. Oh, I love it. Authenticity. Um, from what I gathered when I was doing my research on it, Disney actually, I think on their site, had said this was their first time 
going this direction with a Disney animated film. Yeah. There I go again. Um, you know, um, staying so true to the culture. Yeah. And, and I'm glad for those involved that fought for that. Me too. And I hope that this is a symbol to them that it works, yes. that it can work. Yeah. It opens doors that when, when people feel seen groups of people, see themselves represented it just it just it makes all the difference and exactly. and it opens the door for those to learn about like when you discussed it being a conversational piece this movie is a great way to open up conversations with your children or your partner yeah or a family member about there's generational something trauma pressures <sighs> talents how to use your gifts how to change directions how to be a rebel how to ask questions mm -hmm. what we don't talk about this the culture of silence i mean so so many different things apart from the fact that i think now my friends will get a will get a taste into what it's been like for me as a 40 something year old woman to never see myself represented this way on film isn't that crazy yeah and it took a disney animated film thank god it happened in my lifetime <laughs> yes i'm so happy i'm i'm happy moana happened in my lifetime yeah absolutely for filipinos now yeah, Vivo. They Coco, got it right in Moana. Just, yeah. They did a little research on that from the song to the representation to the his tattoos to every there were there were nuances in that as well that mm -hmm. they kept true to. Yep. Right? And we have so, to we have to always speak on those because that's the only yes. way that we're gonna we're gonna demand more of that. And I appreciate you speaking on this on my podcast for not only the bad Filipino, but like I said, I am gonna put this as an article for the Women's International Music Network. It has been an absolute honor. And I can't believe we kept this under an hour. I know. I'm so <laughs> proud of us. You know that we can chat. I'm very proud of us, but it's really been an honor. I love you to pieces. I'm so excited that we got pieces. to do this. And thank you, everyone in the chat room, of course, who have uh, been watching. And of course, to MXL Microphones. They're, they endorse me, and it's these products that brought this all to you. So I'm going to go ahead and end this and say thank you. Like, again, this will be saved on my Facebook, on my um, YouTube. It'll have an article up. I can share it. Jennifer's going to share it. We encourage you, if you want to go back and see the parts you missed. And on an ending note, like I end every show, every day that you wake up, you determine how your day will go.